The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 23rd chapter. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching, but the leaders scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding Jesus and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he replied, truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Christ, as we celebrate you as King today, we are reminded that you are a different kind of King. And we pray this morning as we hear your words that you would give us open hearts, open minds, and teachable spirits. And we pray today, Lord, that you would have your way with us. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, last Sunday was just a great day here at St. Mark's as we uh, gathered together and worshipped and then met later and, and uh, called our pastor, our associate pastor, Hallie Parkins, and now we're excited for her to come uh, on December 1st as she has uh, received that call. And I also um, am very grateful um, that I was also voted in as your pastor of congregational care. It was really a, a wonderful uh, honor and, and privilege to be here last week. And there was much um, excitement. But I don't know uh, if you realized um, uh, the excitement and uh, the curiosity that was also going on um, regarding the much-anticipated season three of The Crown. <laughs> it, aired, it aired on Netflix. Well, maybe, maybe it was just me. But after watching season one and two and waiting for way too long, at least over a year, for the next season, I was simply thrilled. 
and couldn't wait to sit down to binge watch. And it did not disappoint. For those of you who may not be familiar with this TV series, The Crown, it documents the reign of Queen Elizabeth, which spans decades. And season one and two deal with her coming to the throne after her father's death, crowned at such a young age, 18, and living into this role that she didn't want, that was really thrust upon her. In season three, she is now middle-aged, and the era is in the 60s, a rather important decade that included a lot of change. And so she finds herself in the midst of all this change, uh, sort of at a crisis of trying to make a case for the relevancy of the royal family and for her reign as queen, as so many uh, thrones are being toppled in the world. Great Britain at this time has become not so great. It's in need of a reboot and some serious cash. And the monarchy is looked upon as a drain on the worsening economy. So Prince Philip, husband of Her Majesty, comes to the rescue with an idea for a PR campaign. And he decides that the way to turn the tide is to make a documentary of the royal family and show the people of Britain just what they are getting for their money, what a value they have in their queen. Well, spoiler alert, the documentary is aired and it is a total flop. It turns out that the people simply wanted to keep their monarchy more of a, a mystery and not so common and ordinary. But at the same time that this documentary is being filmed, there is a coup in another country where the prince's own mother has been living in exile for some time. She has become a nun to protect her identity. And she's been living in a convent where she is now ordered to leave the country to protect her life. She is brought to the castle for refuge. The prince fears that her arrival is timed at the very moment that the documentary is being filmed and it will just ruin it if they discover his chain-smoking mother who is now dressed up as a nun and try to interview her. He sees her as a total embarrassment and he has his own issues of abandonment to work through. However, the press accidentally do discover her, and she tells her story to a reporter. It is a story of her own journey, of being ousted from her throne, enduring mental illness, years of pain, suffering, and finally finding refuge in a convent where she finds peace and a community that accepts her and while ministering to the sick and bringing healing to many, she also is healed. It is only when her story comes out in the paper and the prince reads it for the first time that he comes to realize that the very person that he 
wanted to hide and whom he was ashamed of becomes the one who brings the most value to the monarchy. It is his own chain-smoking mother who has become a nun. Well, today, we celebrate what is called the Reign of Christ Sunday. And it is always this Sunday at the end of the church year when we proclaim Christ as our king. And each year we have different perspectives of Jesus as a king from each one of the Gospels. And this year, the reading from the Gospel of Luke tells the story of the crucifixion. And when you first read it, it just seems an odd choice for celebrating Christ the King. And I have to admit, my first reaction was to shy away from preaching on it and to choose some other text for today. The reading just seems so out of place, more likely to be read on Good Friday, which is perhaps maybe one of the only times that we actually hear this text. It just seems counterintuitive that at the scene of the crucifixion, that very place of pain, shame, and disgrace, that Jesus is claimed as king. At our noon Bible study where we discuss the lessons coming up during the week, we looked at these texts and I said, well, what comes to mind when you think of a king or a queen or royalty? And I would invite you to do the same. Just take a moment to answer this for yourself. What comes to mind? Some of the answers might include honor, wealth, power, respect, responsibility, heir, inherited, ascending to the throne, your majesty, worship. When we looked at that list, and then we read the gospel together, we noticed the contrast of Jesus as king, and we began to eliminate many of the answers that we had shared. Jesus goes to the cross, walking to his execution. It is a walk of shame. The people watching as the religious leaders scoffed at him, the Roman soldiers mocked him, and the criminals next to him deride him. No honor, no respect, dying in poverty, his robe taken from him and gambled away, no glamorous walk down a red carpet to take the throne, but a walk of shame to take up a cross. The crown, a crown of thorns. The royal title bestowed upon him, the king of the Jews, meant to be an, a mockery and a warning to any who would dare to challenge the empire. One could say that Jesus had a PR problem, that his messaging wasn't on point for the masses, and he ends up enduring a torturous and shameful death. But a closer look reveals just what kind of king Jesus is. 
king, whose first words uttered from the cross are asking his father to forgive his enemies. Not a prayer spoken for himself. Not interested in saving himself, but in saving others. Saving even the ones nearest to him on the cross, to his right and to his left. Flanked by two other criminals who are most likely political prisoners like Jesus. Because this type of special, torturous execution was reserved for those who would dare to challenge the empire. Both of these criminals recognize Jesus for who he is. The Messiah, the king with power to save. Perhaps they have a clearer perspective as they are nearer him and they're sharing the suffering alongside him. However, they have very different reactions to this king on the cross. One criminal derides Jesus and demands that he save himself and us. But the second rebukes the first and recognizes that his kingdom is not of this world. And he asks Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Out of all of the bystanders to recognize who Jesus is. This is an unlikely confession of faith from a dying criminal who sees Jesus for who he is, a true king. And Jesus responds to him by saying, today you will be with me in paradise. This is perhaps the scandal of the gospel that out of the suffering and pain, there is healing, forgiveness, and redemption. This scene is sort of reminiscent of the road to Emmaus that we started with at the beginning of our year-long emphasis on companions along the way. It is after the resurrection where Jesus is flanked by two companions along the road. They don't know his true identity at first. It is not until he breaks bread with them when they recognize it is Jesus, the Messiah, the King. In the same way, Jesus is now companions with two criminals who flank him on each side and to whom he offers forgiveness and salvation. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Now, often when I've heard that, Jesus saying that, it seems like it's a response to the request of the second criminal, the one who asked to be remembered, the one who is more contrite. But wouldn't they both have heard Jesus' words? Perhaps it is offered to both, as Jesus is their companion, even as they suffer and die, offering his body broken, his blood poured out for the sins of the world, conquering sin and death, opening up for them the way of eternal life, paradise. Jesus has come as a king who offers forgiveness, 
companionship with sinners, even companionship on a cross in suffering and death. His kingdom includes the least of these, the last, the lost, the forgotten. His forgiveness extends to the criminals who hang next to him, the soldiers who guard him and mock him, the religious leaders who scoff at him, the crowd who just stand by and do nothing. His love and forgiveness extends to all throughout the ages, including you and me. And isn't this the kind of king that we want, that we desire, that we hope for? One may ask today, how is the celebration of Christ the King even relevant? It was in the early part of the 20th century that Pope Pius XI established it, and it is for these three reasons. One, that nations would see that the church has the right to freedom and immunity from the state. Two, the leaders and nations would see that they are bound to give respect to Christ. And three, that the faithful would gain strength and courage from the celebration of the feast as we are reminded that Christ must reign in our hearts, in our minds, in our wills, and our bodies. Well, while I don't think we have much control over those first two reasons, it is the last that might be the most important and relevant for us and for the church today. In a world where we are plagued by rulers who seem to be more invested in self-interest and self-preservation, holding on to power rather than sharing it. Perhaps this is exactly what we need today, to be reminded of a different kind of king, the one that we serve, who shows us the way as a servant leader who is humble and demonstrates love and forgiveness one who is our companion through all of our life, even in our suffering, even in death. One who knows intimately our pain, our sorrow, and is a companion along the way. Throughout this year at St. Mark's, we've been asking, where do we see Jesus as our companion? And how do we companion and walk with one another? In my role as pastor of congregational care, I will tell you that I have seen Jesus accompany many, especially in times of pain and suffering and death. And one of the ways I see us being companions is through our prayer shawl ministry. Prayer shawls are knit by those who pray over them. And when they're given, they're given for comfort and healing for the one who receives it. I've had the opportunity to give out many of these prayer shawls to those who are sick, some who are in the hospital, some who are in the process of dying. Some of you may have received a prayer shawl. And I, I notice um, 
as it's placed around the person. That often, they'll start to relax, feeling the warmth of the shawl around them, noticing the color, and feeling the prayers surrounding them. When I, I give this prayer shawl, then we also say the blessing over the person. It is this. I pray God's peace in your life. No matter what you may face in the coming days, know that God is with you always, and nothing can separate you from God's love. May the warmth this shawl brings and the color it bears soothe your body, your heart, your mind, and your soul. I believe that these prayer shawls are a reminder of how Jesus is with us and how the community accompanies us along our way. Some people have taken their last breath surrounded by this prayer shawl, surrounding them with the love of Christ who welcomes them home. In closing, I'd like to return to the story that I began with, season three of The Crown, episode four, ends with the conversation between the prince and his long-lost mother, who has embraced her faith as a nun. After avoiding her for weeks, he finally goes to greet her and finds his mother on her knees praying. And when she gets up from her prayer posture, she notices him in the doorway. They have an awkward exchange, and then she asks him, how is his faith? He answers, dormant. And she says, what? <laughs> and he answers again, dormant. And then he asks her, how can she have faith after all she has suffered? And she responds by saying, her faith is what kept her going. It was the most important thing. And then she corrects herself and says, no, no, it was everything. And the scene ends with the two, mother and son, once estranged, now walking together, arms entwined, companions once again. Well, we are reminded today that we too have a companion who is with us along life's journey, one who enfolds us in his loving embrace, one who ascends a cross, who chooses not to use his power to save himself, but chooses rather to suffer and die to save the world, including his enemies, including criminals, including you and me. He is our companion through all of life, even in death, and promising not only hope for today, but of a new day when his kingdom will come. And this is everything. And so we pray, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Amen.